0: Welcome to It's Complicated, the Couples' Guide podcast. I'm Ryan. And I'm Talia.
1: We are two associate marriage and family therapists under clinical supervision.
0: And we're here to debunk myths and deliver truth about dating, relationships, and everything in between. Trust us. It's awesome. Shalom, Ryan. Hey, Talia. I like meeting
1: right you so Yeah? You're into it?
0: Yeah, it's nice, because I think when we... Sit together in person. Sometimes I get distracted by how cool your living room looks. <laughs> <And I can't laughs> look <your face.
1: laughs> how cool my Spider-Men all over my living room look. <laughs>
0: um, yeah, and you know what? I wouldn't know who I would be without those Spider-Men, so. <laughs> you could be Spider-Gwen. I, sh- I could be. You're right. But, you know, really, I just, if I didn't have you, I wouldn't know who I was in life. So. Oh,
1: my gosh. You know what? Yeah. I'm going a- to that i'm gonna foster that and let that happen and you can only have an identity if you're connected to me codependency today yeah Yeah. i
0: mean if it's okay with you (laughs)
1: um (laughs) that's too good uh yes it's okay
0: with me okay because really i only want to do it if you want to do it yeah i hear you i hear you um All jokes aside, that is what we are talking about on the episode
1: today, is codependency. I'm just like too tickled, and I don't have any witty response. I just love what you're doing, and I hope <laughs> our listeners get it, um, but I guess we're going to explain it right now.
0: Yes. So, for those of you who do not know what codependency is, or maybe would like a tangible definition, codependency is an excessive amount of emotional or psychological reliance on a partner, so You are very connected to them, your feelings wise, and how you think and relate basically depends on your partner's mood. And it is typically something that happens when you require support, like when we see illness, addiction, some sort of issue came up in your family system, maybe growing up, not always the case, but sometimes where this was a family pattern that happened from childhood right maybe one parent needed help one parent was sick a sibling was ill had an addiction issue and there was a lot of co-regulation in the sense of it being a negative co-regulation not the positive way that we look at when we'll describe that today in our in our topic therapeutically having co-regulation can be helpful but if we look at it in a codependent perspective it's not something that's helpful helpful or sustainable
1: Yeah, Um, I love that clarification, the definition, and in general, I think this is a really important topic to cover because the term codependent or codependency is actually pretty out there in in our community. Uh, there's there's a lot of lay people who talk about that and have general a sense of it, but maybe not as as um, clinical understanding or fully grasp like what that means. So I think there's also a lot of confusion that can come from it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's some pitfalls in when when people use the term codependency. So I really think it's great to clarify so we can share like some of the actual issues, but mm-hmm. then also to differentiate between codependency and, like, when someone says, oh, um, you're being needy, which has a whole um, uh, feminism aspect to it where um, uh, there's a lot of uh, sex discrimination against women for, quote, being needy. That's not the same thing as codependency. Um, Also... But I want to differentiate between codependency and the fact that like you're saying there's co-regulation where partners, when you are in a kin relationship, there is a really important way to turn to one another to uh, manage emotion, manage needs. Uh, you'll hear me say all the time, we are social bonding mammals. That's what we do. And there's a thriving, healthy relationship when partners can do that. And it's really complicated. So that's why I uh, want to dive into uh, what you know codependency really looks like and where those the dangers are and, and why it's an important relational topic.
0: Yes. So I think we should start with maybe some background of codependency and then warning signs that your relationship might have that. And cool. to be clear, and I guess in my head, there is not a rule that your codependent nature comes out only in romance. Yes, that's most mm-hmm. common, but you can have a codependent relationship with friends, with family. It, it doesn't just have to be romantic. I just wanted to throw that out there.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I'd say romantic is most common. Second would be like family members, particularly normally with like a, a parental figure, um, but uh, not always, but and then in the friend, friend
0: relationships, but it's really a dynamic in any relationship. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so codependency, like we talked about, it's essentially a dysfunctional relational dynamic. So relational in the sense it doesn't necessarily have to be romantic and it's learned, it's passed down usually from generation to the, to the next generation. And oftentimes your relationships are one-sided. They can be destructive and sometimes they can be completely toxic when it gets to the other end of the spectrum. So some of the warning signs that we look for, at least I, when I'm sitting with clients or even friends, (laughs) and they're telling me all these, you know, topics of conversation that come up in their relationship or friendship, uh, any relationship, or they're kind of listing, well, you know, it's, it's really good, but blank, it's really this (laughs) blank. And I'm like, okay, no, not, I'm gonna, I'm gonna wait and see. So what I, what I hear and look for and feel free to chime in, if you're the one who's it's basically feeling one-sided. Like you're the one putting in the extra work. You're filling in the gaps that your partner or the other person you're relating to is failing at or not doing. And you're taking on all those responsibilities, especially in order to prove your worth. Like, hey, look how much I do for you. Look how connected we are. And if your partner or whoever you're, we'll just call it partner for the purpose of this episode. If your partner starts pulling back their time, their effort, their love or anything, you are the one who instinctively gives more. And picks up the pieces trying to commit to something that shouldn't work, right? We're making something last that really shouldn't. So the first warning sign we would look for is putting in extra effort. And this isn't like, oh, my partner had a tough day. Let me step in and help them. This is like a continual pattern. It's yeah, consistent. Yes, it's, it's consistent.
1: And that's good. Just good you know, consistent over time.
0: Mm-hmm. Because
1: absolutely in relationships, there are moments where you want to give to your partner, like you said, a rough day at work. Mm -hmm. The 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 warning sign is: Are you the one who is always giving to your partner after a rough day at work every day, every other day, and you're never getting that back in return? Relationships that have codependency—if you're codependent—is like you said, you're always the one doing that behavior of giving, and it's not reciprocated.
0: Mm -hmm. Exactly. It's yeah, it's not reciprocated. Um, There's also a loss of boundaries. So a codependent Mm -hmm. person can fail to understand how important boundaries are in a relationship. And like we talked about that continuing of compromising the person's self, they Mm -hmm. believe that overgiving in the relationship is what's making it work. So they're even more invested. It's like the less self that they put out, the more the relationship comes to the forefront and boundaries are something that has to be sacrificed in order to be in the relationship. Oh, I'll cancel this. Oh, I'll do that. Oh, I'll you know, I really wanted to do this, but if you don't want to, I'd rather be with you. So let's just not, right. It's lack of, lack of asserting what you want and desire, as well as we, we often see, at least with my clients, their boundaries don't matter anymore. Oh, they yeah. just showed up at my house and I wasn't ready, but I was like, uh, ah, I didn't want to say no, right. Like the inability to say no, because we don't want to disappoint the partner also. Yeah.
1: And I think what's an interesting part to this is someone can be uh, well-boundaried, in their life in other relationships or out in the world and community. And then in the relationship where there's codependency, that's where the boundaries go out the door. Right. And that's comes from this underlying thing of a person not um, honoring their identity.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: that's why they're likely to forego those boundaries, but they might have great ones with other people. But when it, when suddenly it's in this relationship with this partner who for whatever reason They've decided it, it's this 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 matters to me. Yeah. Then they will be like, "Hey, this doesn't. You know, I'm going to forget who I am, my needs, my values, and just give 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 to the other person." And I think um, when we're talking about boundaries, it's really nice to remember uh, identity within that. Um, so when you're when you're forgoing boundaries. And you're noticing that, checking in with, with yourself about, okay, well, who am I, what are my values, and who what matters to me? And am I sacrificing those core things about me all the time by letting those sacrifices have boundary violations, and therefore, again, letting the, the, the partner take over? Mm-hmm. So, so it's kind of like losing your sense of self within the relationship, where the relationship matters more, mm-hmm. and, and the other partner matters more than your sense of self.
0: Yes. And in codependency, we chatted a bit before we started recording, there's levels of relationship, there's independent, interdependent, codependent, the ideal is interdependent, which is two independent people kind of walking alongside each other the paths cross, they, you know, go back to being separated, they cross. It's this interwoven feeling when you're relating to somebody that's an interdependent relationship. You do do have a sense of self outside of that person. Sure. Are we bummed if they can't see us or whatever? Yes. But it's not like a fully sacrificial experience in order to stay in relation. So it is a loss of independence and you don't want to become so dependent on somebody. You lose who you are, because once you are out of that relationship, it's much harder to what I've seen gain that sense of independence back, especially with the clients I've worked with most common question. Well, I don't even know who I am. Right. It's not like, oh, I want to do this, this and that. It's like, can we back up and figure out who I am first before I start to, to do all of this? Yeah. That
1: sense of identity is so key. Yes. Uh, that interdependence, um, I, I love and I like to use the, the, the emotion of happy to explain that. Where, um, as you're talking about like interdependent relationships, you have two people who experience happiness and in an interdependent relationship, each person is responsible for their own happiness. Yeah. And so they manage that for themselves. And then in the relationship with their inter- interdependent, then the relationship is there for them to share their happiness together. So if I'm in a relationship, I'd be like, Oh, cool. So, um, I'm, it's my job to be um, happy and healthy if I want that. And then when I'm happy in a relationship, I can then sh- turn to my partner and share that happiness with them. That's an example of being independent where you're still enjoying happiness within the relationship, but you're not relying on the relationship for happiness. Now, that can seem counterintuitive because we look to relationships for so much joy and happiness. We think, right. oh, a good relationship brings me happiness. That's where we bleed into. a a status of codependency. Mm
0: -hmm. And that
1: would look instead of like interdependent where you're responsible for your own happiness and you share it with your partner. Codependency is I turn to my partner to make me happy. I am relying on my partner for my happiness. Yes. Well, suddenly you're giving up that individual sense of self and identity and responsibility to manage your own happiness. And you're relying on someone else. Thus you are dependent on someone else for an actual emotion that you inherently not inherently that you have the responsibility for. So that's like that really subtle shift in happiness as an example of what it looks like when you're interdependently happy, as opposed to starting to become codependent and needing something from someone else in order to fulfill that, that happiness.
0: Exactly. Yeah, that made sense. I like it. Um, the last, the last few things that we look at are, um, and this is usually in the more um, moderate to severe codependent dynamics. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it's more obvious when you see people like, why are they together? Like that person is so out of so-and-so's league or why would they put up with that? Those kind of questions you think to yourself is usually an indicator. It's a need to fix the other person, right? And this isn't, this isn't what we hear in couples therapy. It's like, you know what? They'd be perfect if they changed this or if they folded their towels differently. Ugh, oh, it'd be perfect. Okay. That's not what codependency is talking about. We're talking about like, I can save them. White Knight syndrome. They're this and that, but I'll fix them. My love will change them, right? It's a fairy tale. Like it starts out like a fairy tale and then it descends into a very unhealthy trap that we can all see. It's one partner always sees the need to fix the other party and that's not going to be sustainable, nor is it helpful because oftentimes, at least what I've seen as a therapist, you arrive at this place where the person quote unquote gets fixed, even if it's not your doing, the person who's doing the fixing, it's something else, right? You make ultimatums. You need to go to rehab for us to be together. You need to do this. You need to do that. Then the person does it and they are quote unquote now this normal, healthy partner. And then the fixer, the codependent is like, "Mm, this isn't fun anymore. This is actually boring. I'm done. Like I did my job raising you. I'm out. And I've definitely seen that And my friends and my um, friends, family on the couch, in the chair, it just, it's not, it's not necessarily the worst thing ever. Sometimes it can be very, very toxic that I think that piece of codependency is definitely modeled for us as we grow up. In my opinion, I think that's a very common, um, one of the most common symptoms of codependency that is really, really innate in nature. Nobody wakes up one day and goes, you know what I really want to do? Be a real be, rehab, uh, be a real rehabilitation house for poorly raised people. Like that's not that's not what people wake up and dream of. Like how did I meet my husband? Well, I just saw him walking on the street and he was a drug addict and I just knew he was the one. Like that's not that's not what people want when they imagine their future partner. But it's so subliminally modeled. It's like they can't help but do it, and it's this urge of like I don't know why I have to, but I have to. Like I'm not actually attracted to a relationship unless some sort of Drama or some sort of thing needs fixing. It's like they can't be comfortable with just being with a healthy or "quote unquote" boring, right, vanilla partner.
1: Yeah, uh, I like that you talked about like what's modeled for us. That was going in my head where we have a culture where the stories we tell our children from earliest ages and that we continue to enjoy in adulthood are stories about one person meeting another person. And then one of those people changes for the other. Yep. And that's a value that our culture expresses as good. Mm-hmm. When in reality, when you step back from that, we're talking about how that's, that's not setting anyone up for a successful relationship. No. But Hey, how many movies have we seen where, um, you know, Someone meets someone, and that you know, the person they met isn't really all together. They're, you know, uh, maybe a dick, or maybe uh, they're, uh, you know, uh, kind of self absorbed. And then because of the relationship, it's an aha moment for that person who's not put together. And then they grow, they change, and because of that change, the relationship survives, and then they live happily ever after. That's the archetype. Oh. Now that's yeah, completely <laughs> false. It's a fun story and there's good values within that, but we have to break away from that um, if we're wanting to look to prevent codependency, or if we're wanting to look to set ourselves up for like long-term foundational relationships.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: and I think it's also worth talking about this one, like why perhaps we enjoy those stories and why in reality we enjoy being in that moment. You were talking about the needs that are being met when. You are in a relationship and, and you, that person you want to change. It's as simple as what'd you say?
0: said, they need me, right? I can, I can be, wow. Look, they listen to me. They, this, they, no, they fucking don't. They want (laughs) to hear you out because they're like, wow, this person does everything for me. I wouldn't want to lose that either. But in the person who's being needed head, whatever grammar, (laughs) that person is like, no, you don't understand. Like they're going to change. They're going to this. it's very, on uh, a parallel I would say parallel uh, shift to in affairs what we often see and this is not a tangent this is just to give like a different example oh they'll leave they'll leave their wife for me no they won't stop believing that lie like that is statistically not actually what happens it's the same thing with codependency they'll change for me okay great and we know that with addicts if they change for something that's not their own intrinsic goal it will not be sustainable Oh, yeah. you must stay sober to live in this house. You must do this to this. You mu- that's a parent. Why are you parenting your partner? We've already had an episode on why that's not a yeah. good idea. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So and I like that you're driving home the point that uh, this doesn't really work, where you try to change the person, where you start getting codependent, lose your identity, and you try to hope that the person you're with is actually going to be someone else. There's yeah. lots of evidence in, to show that it doesn't work. Nope. And what I want to drive home is the need and the reason why it's in our, in the stories we tell the reason why a lot of us do get in relationships and think, Oh, well they'll change because when you get in relationships, people are more willing to do stuff. Yes. And there's the special factor. We feel special when someone does something quote unquote uniquely for us. Yep. So if there's this desire to change your partner, Really what that can be a signal for you about is I feel special when this person who, despite all the evidence that this is how they normally live their lives, if they do it differently, then that means I am so special to them that that changed. And we've already talked about how that doesn't work out long-term. That's actually a pitfall. It's going to be really bad. I do want to honor though that, Hey, we can, we can love that part of ourselves that wants to feel special.
0: Yes, self-compassion.
1: The issue with codependency is, again, you're depending on the other person to feel special. Yes. And that's where it gets toxic, whereas feeling special really comes from yourself.
0: You so the, the antidote to
1: that... Go ahead. I was going to say the antidote to that is if you're looking to change your partner because you want to feel special and you realize you're in a cycle and you always are dating people who actually are kind of losers and you always want to be different, this is a good signal. Like, oh, I'm depending on them for that sense of feeling special. I can have the antidote. Instead, do things for myself where I can have an intrinsic internal sense of feeling special for my own Mm self-worth.
0: So you mean if I feel like my partner thinks I'm special, it won't fill that really deep childhood wound that my parents never gave me the attention I wanted? <laughs> weird, God! I like no, no. It back. will go with oh, that. Yeah. Okay, good. Okay. So, yeah, that makes a lot more sense. I, I do yeah. feel like then I'm on the right track, right? Oh my gosh, <laughs> finally, exactly. my parents will love me via my partner! Yay! <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and that's that's what it feels like. No, I like, mean, it's like oh my God, God. this, this deep yeah, is finally being met. And if you are hearing this episode and being like, "Oh shit, that's me." Take a breath and realize this is actually going to be a gift to you because once you learn to combat the codependency and be at peace with yourself, have your own relationship with yourself first, that self-worth, self-confidence, and self-esteem, your amount that you're able to love and and actually want to relate to your partner and the time spent, et cetera, once you can uh, reorient it so it's a healthy version of that in terms of like you have your relationship with yourself first and then another it's okay to love big and want to spend time with your partner and do things for them. That's not, Brian and I are not saying that's a bad thing. We just want to make sure it's you, you have your needs met first and then like the oxygen mask analogy, right? I'm going to prepare me first. And then I did want to add the last two warning signs we look at, yeah. which are definitely more in the severe spectrum of codependency that can uh, bleed into uh, an abusive or controlling relationship would be, if you're feeling a need to ask permission to do things from your partner or you're losing contact with your important loved ones, um, this isn't the one-off, hey, sorry, I missed you this week and I was hoping to go out with so-and-so, but they were actually busy. This is like systemically, you are not seeing them because you are waiting around for said partner to show up. We yeah. Those are some warning signs. So if you, again, if you're being controlled by your partners to the extent it causes you to doubt yourself and your self-worth, it's time to go. And if you're losing contact with your loved ones, whether, you know, they're isolating you on purpose, that's a more obvious abusive relationship. But if you notice you're isolating yourself with the hope Mm -hmm. of, oh, I can see so-and-so and and whatever, fix them, make them all better. That's a huge warning sign. Again, those are the more severe ones that we don't sometimes see right in the beginning. But if you're starting to notice that bleed into your relationship, at least my recommendation, maybe Ryan would agree, do some self-inventory, take a step back from who you're relating to and- go back and listen to the list that we just gave and see, yeah. is this what's really going on for me? Right? Like, yeah. am I noticing an overlap or is it two things have happened occasionally? And if you're noticing those last two chances are, you're going to check those other boxes. Yeah.
1: yeah. I think absolutely. Uh, taking a, a self inventory is critical. I think there's also for some relationships, the possibility to take a relational inventory and saying, Whoa, wait a second. I just noticed some of these things for me. Yep. It would be very diagnostic if then turn to your partner and say, Hey, I heard this stuff on the podcast and I'm kind of curious. There might be some of that going on where I'm i listening to self and then seeing how your partner reacts. Now, mind you, if you're in like a, some of those more severe cases because there's genuine, like this can lead to intimate partner violence, domestic violence, stuff like that. Like, right. I mean, that's why self inventory is critical, but there's also on more moderate levels how your partner reacts. If your partner goes, Oh yeah, I didn't notice that. Um, I just was kind of oblivious and I want to also support you so that we have a better relationship. Okay, cool. Then you're probably going to work away from codependency. If your partner responds with, no, you should always, we could keep it like this. That's I want name. my name. Yeah. Does it doesn't, does it support you in any way, shape or form by bringing this up. That's kind of just like a confirmation that, um, <laughs> like,
0: well, yeah, that, uh, shit, yeah.
1: <laughs> that, that, uh there's, there's some deeper work that, that might need to be dealt with to continue yeah. the relationship.
0: Yeah. So I have a, a little, uh, bullet point list of, you know, we just listed these things, and some people are probably yeah. like, well, then why do people stay? Right. So I'm gonna include more information on this in the show notes, but I just wanted to read this little list before we move into our next topic. So okay. to answer that question that might be lingering in your head, why do people stay? We touched on that. You could have a a delusional idea of love, right? Uh, Most people pick this up because our parents were raised in a generation that love and abuse went hand in hand, or there was a control. There wasn't as much feminism outwardly as there is now. You could have dreams of change, right? Uh, If I dedicate myself to you, you'll change. And that means I'm better. Uh, You can have a sense of being overwhelmed, right? I'm just so overwhelmed. I can't see things clearly. I want to stay in this you might be being manipulated. You might have feelings of fear, right? What's the alternative if I'm not in this relationship? Um, Low self-esteem, a sense of guilt or feeling ashamed of yourself. So there's many reasons why we wouldn't want to just jump to codependency bad, right? If you bring that up to your partner and you're saying, Hey, I think I do these traits. Do you notice that And your partner's like, Oh yeah, I, I actually do see that happening. I didn't think of it as a insidious thing, but if you'd like to work on it, sure. Right. It's, having better boundaries. It's learning to, I think that would phase into, you actually can learn to co-regulate with your partner or have a healthier dynamic with more boundaries. And if your partner responds well to them, great. Maybe you both had codependent tendencies growing up, and that's just how it was kind of playing out in your relationship. Neither of you were doing it intentionally with this really manipulative uh, intent. And, And oftentimes that is, like you said, People are oblivious. Well, it just felt like when I was growing up, I didn't think anything was wrong with it. And then we think, wait a second, that actually wasn't healthy when I was growing up. I don't want to repeat that. That's yeah, a. I don't want to be like that. Yes, that's moving towards health and moving away from. No, you need mm-hmm. to be there for me, like forties, fifties housewife, essentially, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So I want to list those as that's why people stay. So to give some empathy and compassion, it's not always easy. And I would recommend not rushing out of a codependent relationship because. Uh, this little thing called repetition compulsion exists and you will (laughs) literally repeat that pattern with different people until Uh, it. So take some time, go to a therapist, please go to a therapist or read the book codependent no more, which is an amazing book and learn why your pattern happens. So then Uh, you, again, your relationship with yourself can heal. So then you can learn not to run in and uh, you can learn to manage that urge. It's not that it's not going to come up because it's so ingrained, but you can learn to regulate your own urge and then co-regulate with a partner.
1: Yeah. I was going to mention this at the end, but since we're kind of talking about some some resources and recommendations, therapists, that's a great book resource. Also, for those listening, um, CODA is uh, Codependence Anonymous. It's, yes. It comes from the, the AA model and the 12-step meeting because very frequently, um, uh, People who struggle with addiction can be in relationships and the the, the people in relationships with tend can have a higher um, percentage of the population to be codependent. So that came out of it. An amazing resource. That's free. It's not therapeutic um, in the most clinical sense, but it's absolutely important for mental health. So that's just a cool thing to know. Coda, you can look it up online for your local area to see where the meetings are, just like any, um, you know, 12 step, uh, structured meeting out there. And keep in mind with, um, we're currently in, you know, the era of COVID, all these meetings are happening online still. It's such an important resource.
0: Very convenient. Good. Yes. Yeah.
1: Um, but then the, that was just my little blurb on a resource, but one thing I, uh, that you were saying about, uh, you know, again, why mm-hmm. I just want to highlight, um, some of the positivity as to where the motivation with like wanting to feel special or just where code yeah. can come from. It's positive and it's like the common way that codependent people justify what they're doing.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: it's a double-edged sword. And the positivity comes from, you're just a caring human being.
0: Not your a fault. lot of the
1: times it's, you are such a loving human that, that you're like, okay, I will sacrifice my needs for my partner. I will give up my identity for my partner or, you know, as a contender to be like, I'm going to do the thing that I know my partner loves because I'm a loving person that way. So the idea behind sharing that is like, don't beat yourself up all the way. If you're on like, Oh my gosh, I do codependent things. It's like, whatever. I think that's one of the things that's in the culture that shames people all the time. Yeah. And I, it pisses me off because my response is like, "Oh my gosh, you care about another human? You are a horrible person." It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> and you want to be intentional with your care, so you're caring for yourself, so you can care for the other person in a way that is sustainable. Uh, I just don't like that codependency. While is such a such a, a buzz trigger word in our culture that is so negative. Don't get me wrong. We are absolutely saying. This is not a healthy relationship dynamic.
0: And we want to be compassionate. Of that.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, we just want to be compassionate that like, a lot of this comes from the, um, someone's desire to care for another person.
0: When a person who is struggling or noticing, let's say maybe they're not struggling, they're like, I love codependency. It's the best thing ever, right? It's not a struggle. They're, <laughs> they're in pre contemplation. They don't want to change it yet. Yeah. It's still important to hear codependency is not your fault. You did mm-hmm. not cause it. It was given to you in childhood without you wanting it to happen, essentially. And you learned those traits really, in most cases, to adapt. It was a mm-hmm. it was an um, adaptive coping mechanism growing up so you could function in your family system because okay. maybe your primary caregivers weren't healthy. Their care was inconsistent. Not intentionally. I'm not talking about very intentional abu- abuse and neglect. It can happen unintentionally, right? Your parents were both working. They were stressed. They were raising themselves while raising you, right? Again, it's not intentionally supposed to mess you up for the rest of your life. But as an adult, it's not adaptive anymore. It's actually going to be maladaptive in most of your relationships if it goes on without any sort of containment, right? Or learning why things are happening. So it's your job, uh, though you do not cause that wound, it's your job to do the healing and take care Mm -hmm. of your... Inner child, especially go give some care to your inner child and learn to co-regulate within yourself again before mm-hmm. co-regulating with the partner. So it's not your fault. It's not unfixable. It's not undoable. And there's nothing broken about you that needs quote unquote fixing. And then you can channel it for the the proper partnership where you're also noticing that person giving of you, and it feels way less codependent when both of you are in this ebb and flow of hey, I'll compromise for you. Oh, you know what? You took off work early last Tuesday to, to be with the kids. I'll do that this Tuesday. That that sort of transactional behavior, that's not codependent. That's being a good partnership and good regulation with each other and being attuned like an EFT from what I've learned. Is, <laughs> you are the expert. I am. Right. Not. But I would say that's that being attuned to your partner and having that ability to compromise, not tit for tat, but like we in Gottman, we talk about, you know, bids for connection. They match mm-hmm. my bid. 20 to one. I don't care the one time they missed it. I'm not going to be like knife to the heart. You did this on purpose. How could you? Right. But if I'm codependent and it's five to one and I'm giving five times and they're giving once, you bet your ass the one time they don't do it. I'm like, are you kidding me? We want to manage that. It's definitely manageable. You can learn to channel it for, for purpose and intention and more love instead of you feeling like less than what you deserve. So that's my opinion on that. Just as a shameless plug, as a female therapist,
1: it absolutely can be worked through. The uh, The goal is to um, recalibrate your your sensor for balance. Yes. You know, someone who is struggling with codependency feels that balance when they're always giving to the other person, depending on the other person for their needs. And what we're just pointing out is actually perhaps that, that balance can be um, weighted and skewed because of, say, your family history or... Past experiences or just this inherent um, uh, desire to be a caring person—that's okay. Be intentional and look at that balance. And so, a lot of the work that can be done is going. Okay, so I, I tend to like to give and you know be dependent on my on my partner and give and sacrifice and that. Well, what if I started giving to myself? What if I started turning some of that positive energy of care into caring for myself? And practice that and then start noticing how that feels. Because what I will tell you that I have witnessed in working with people in my office is once you feel that balance, you go, oh, that's what it is. So true. Now I get it. I never knew what that was like to honor my needs and balance it by being a good partner and, you know, helping my partner in the relationship. Very different than always giving to
0: your partner's needs. Mm -hmm. Yes. I will will agree with that. And see, I've seen that in my own clients and they'll come in and share, Oh my gosh, I set the boundary. They listened. It's so much better. I'm so glad I didn't live in fear of or concern of uh, what if it doesn't work? or What if I say it and it doesn't land well? So I'm just not going to say it at all. They took the leap. Right. And, and I, uh, I'm a big fan of quote unquote practicing what I preach and the balance you were describing. I remember years ago when I first started learning about this and, and really, taking it into my own therapy to work through. It. it was transformational. And then I was like, oh, okay, that makes a lot of sense. And not feeling guilted or shamed by the therapist I was working with and realizing, oh, okay, actually I can channel this for good <laughs> and I can make it effective, right? And I think it was very helpful. So you know, as as living proof, and I think most people on earth have experienced it in some way, shape or form, whether they've been the one giving it or they've been the one receiving it from somebody little elements of codependency it's kind of sprinkled like you said through our society so it's not it's not undoable and the sense the second you feel that sense of balance it's like the skies open up and you can see the sun for the first time it feels so good to know that that can happen for you so whoever's listening definitely it's worthwhile to do the work yeah. so what about co-regulation maybe we can dive into that before we wrap up
1: yeah uh, i just I think it's important to differentiate um, co-regulation from codependency yes. because it's so nuanced in some ways. When you're in a relationship, if you're not aware of it, you may not be able to suss out like what is me being codependent on my partner versus are we co-regulating together? Right. So, share a little bit about co-regulation and what we mean by why that's different from codependency.
0: Hmm. Um, I would say that the main difference I see is the intent, like primarily it's the intent behind what the motive is. So when we talked about codependent, it's to maybe for lack of a better term, fill a void within the individual giving the codependency co-regulation is, Hey, I'm really doing the work, but I'm kind of tired and I don't want to do this alone. Can I have some help please? Like it's more of the tone and the intent behind it. So when we look at co-regulation, it's. I would like to be in unison with you and in partnership and do that interdependent dance, but mm-hmm. I need some help with a stressful day. I need some help with this. I'm struggling with blank. Could you help me? And that's like in DVT when I teach, if not, I give this example, Hey, I'm working super late. And you know, I I totally fudged up. I forgot to do the prep for dinner yesterday, et cetera. You know, could you pick up some, could you whip up something, with what's in the fridge if not I'll pick up a pizza on the way home right co-regulation i ask for help but i know that i can still do something if you're not able to to give what i'm requesting of you because it might be too much of an ask so again very general example but that's that's more of a co-regulation of i can still meet my own needs i'm just asking for help versus if you don't do this i will fall apart right like <laughs> i will snap if this need doesn't get met by you it's meet your own needs and learn to ask for help because Sometimes you are going to overwork yourself if you don't know how to co-regulate in a partnership.
1: Yeah. And and the reason why I I wanted to make this distinction is is because it is absolutely um, powerful to be in relationship and be in distress and to be able to turn to your partner and share that distress, feel soothed by your partner, Mm -hmm. and then have support. Again, we're social bonding mammals. It's a wonderful social skill to turn to your partner, to turn to your friends, um, to call your therapist, to be able to do anything to say, hey, I need support to process these emotions. Mm-hmm. So in a relationship, you can be co-regulating where you can turn to your partner in distress, ask for support, and then have your partner go through that with you. Yes. The difference, just to re-articulate in a different way, isn't I'm turning to my partner to fix my distress, and I can only fix it with my partner um, and therefore my partner is the one I'm dependent on to make this happen. Co-regulation is saying, Hey, I'm asking my partner to walk beside me to hold my, this journey with me to do, If you want to look at the, um, you know, as an analogy, like, hold my hand while I express and go through this Yes. as opposed to pulling me along and forcing me to a place that I want to go. So that's, it's kind of nuanced, but I think it's a huge it's a huge felt difference of being able to turn to your partner to stress and just say, Hey, I'm struggling and you can be there for me to support me mm-hmm. as opposed to, I need my partner to fix me.
0: Right. You know, I, don't, I
1: actually want to change it from fix me because we use that in a different context to turn to my partner and my partner's the hey. only way that I can get the distress right. can go away.
0: Yeah. So in my head, codependency is more yeah. of a one-way relationship it right. only benefits. It's like a parasitic relationship in, in biology. And co-regulation is a symbiotic relationship in which once you do relate to your partner in that way, it contributes to the emotional stability for both partners rather yeah. than just one. And then the other is thrown out of whack. I yeah. think that's an important distinction is codependency is more of a one-way and the co-regulation is more of a two-way relationship. It's that balance you were speaking about earlier.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I like that. And then the symbiotic part is in co-regulation, you're sharing your experience with your partner. Yes. Your true sense of self. This is me. And and I want to share that. And in this moment, I might need to um, have some soothing or share my distress, but I'm sharing it with, with, with my partner. When it's not symbiotic and back and forth, it's, I'm reliant on my partner. So I'm not sharing myself. Right. I'm taking from my partner in this regard, the emotional soothing, um, which is, uh, you know, sort of says like, I don't have my own identity. So I'm relying on them in order to, um, you know, get to, the, to this level of, of peace and calm. Right. And the point about that is, again, you're not sharing yourself because your true self isn't really being seen. You're not in symbiotic relationship.
0: Exactly. And there's going to be off days where maybe we can't co-regulate, but that's okay. And then going back to your partner and sharing it, right, calmly and effectively. Hey, uh, I noticed the other day I had brought something up to you, et cetera. I'm just, and taking the point of curiosity, I'm just wondering, was there anything that happened for you that day? Because I felt a bit disconnected when I tried to share this. That's a way to address, right, we talked about in codependency, you can bring it to your partner and say, hey, I'm noticing this that's maybe mm-hmm. the languaging you can use with the co-regulation and, and it's not blaming the partner. it's just saying, Hey, I kind of felt out of tune with you. You know, it's like, I came to you wanting to rehearse this. And you were like out to lunch mentally. So can yeah. you, can you tell me maybe it was something going on that I missed that day? Cause I was so in my stuff, I, I'd like to just check in on that. Right. That's more of the co-regulation piece mm-hmm. and how to navigate your way through that. If you have that in your relationship. I like it. Yeah.
1: Um, I would just want to end with just again, it's complicated. Uh, <laughs> it is. So don't. I know it always is, and that's why we love it for our our title. Yeah. It's just, just don't beat yourself up. Um, you know, there's no. It's really hard to get the right or wrong specifically. The idea um, is, it's really hard. So just do the work. Pay attention. Uh, think about these things. If you do that, you'll get to a better place for yourself in your relationship, and that's sort of my my, my end message. Of, This stuff can be hard if you've never dealt with these themes before. So good on you for starting to deal with them and and figuring it out.
0: Mm -hmm. And we are here if you need us in the healthy sense that you can reach out and we will match you (laughs) with a therapist and we will include a myriad of resources in our show notes that you can access and use it to empower yourself to get on the path towards healing.
1: Yeah. I love that. Anything that people can ask us about this, we'd happily answer. Um, especially the nuance between um codependency and co-regulation. I'd be curious if people have some uh their personal questions and, and relationships they want us to kind of filter through. Yeah. So um share some messages on Instagram mm-hmm. at Couples Guide Podcast, uh, or get us an email, Ryan and Talia at the Couples Guide Podcast dot com. Um Go to the website, couplesguidepodcast.com. I always plug that because I love it. I guess I need to stop saying it like every episode, the last like three episodes. But
0: no, keep saying it.
1: Job with it. I know, Talia's like, please, please.
0: I don't feel validated in my website work until you figure <laughs> the podcast, Ryan.
1: <laughs> okay. You, you go back and re-listen this entire episode and <laughs> um, and then we'll go from there. What are um, you a
0: therapist? <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs>
1: Uh what's our uh what's what's our next topic, Talia? Oh, I just uh, looked at it. it.
0: Our next topic is breakup aftercare.
1: <laughs> breakups, here we go. We're gonna talk about breakups on the next uh podcast. I'll be super But fun. don't
0: worry, Ryan and I are not breaking up, so
1: not us, no. You're stuck sorry. with
0: us for a lot more. <laughs> a lot stuck more episodes.
1: for life, sorry game.
0: <laughs> oh. yeah,
1: yeah. So thanks we- for listening. Thanks for listening everybody i hope you enjoyed yourself and take good care of yourself in covid be gentle with yourselves and your relationships
0: hashtag no codependency during covid (laughs) i need help (laughs) Uh, that i will agree with